0: What is up, everybody, and welcome into a very, very special edition of the Return of the Roar podcast live from sunny, hot Las Vegas. Uh, I'm sitting here currently with Frankie Cardiselli and Brendan Nunez. We will be doing a two-part episode, one on Brendan's uh, King's Pulse podcast and one, obviously, you're listening to right now, The Return of the Roar. So at the end of this, just make sure to switch on over to King's Pulse, and uh, you can enjoy a nice uh, hour of content. So without further ado, let's get into things, and uh, let's start off with uh, some introductions. Frankie, what has been your favorite thing about Vegas
1: so far? I was going to say, I'm not sure what I've enjoyed more. Las Vegas or the fact that I saw Brendan's empty Good and Plenty box on the couch this morning? (laughs) It's a great day. It's a great day. Brendan, how great slash awful were those Good and Plenty? They were good. And there were plenty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there were plenty of them.
2: Um, I wish I had more. I, I don't actually love them. I think they're solid, but I had to, I had to, you know, out with you guys. It, it just felt like if I wasn't buying good and Plenty's that I was making a mistake. Like it's, I hate you so much. Just had to fully <laughs> really buy you, in, bro. you know. There were hot tamales involved as well.
0: That's the thing that really upsets me is that you really bought them just just to troll yeah. us yeah, like yeah. you like you might have actually wanted it a little bit but like you would not have actually purchased them had I, we not been here
2: i originally grabbed the hot tamales and then realized i should probably grab the good employees <laughs> also
0: so you doubled down in the worst yeah, way yeah. possible
2: double down that's what we do out here <laughs> yeah right? shut out
0: uh okay well that's that's enough of the chitty chat because honestly I'm i n- cannot I can go on. stomach i cannot stomach The thought of eating those Good and Plenty's. I've also I also had a single Good and Plenty, and let me tell you, they're trash.
1: We're at the grocery store at one a.m. Upon getting into Las Vegas, we land late, and we come get young Brendan here and go to the grocery store, and plenty of options in the aisles, and that's what he settles on. So, I mean, it's not great.
2: It's no, it's not great. It's good and plenty. It's. I'm so done with this it's conversation. Always, it's literally it's like
0: you. I could not be more finished with this conversation.
2: <laughs> Vegas good and plenty's are the same as Sacramento good and plenty's. Yeah, there's confirmed.
0: Yeah, they're both trash. Uh, <laughs> everywhere you go, you don't need to have them. You know um, what? I
2: also have had good and plenty of bad uh, basketball. That's not a good. Yes, yeah, bad <laughs> yeah, basketball. Very, Thanks for saving me because yeah. I was yeah cause was not it, a great transition. It's uh
0: it's it's always. A, a nice, humbling reminder, Brendan. You were at the California Classic, but um, it you so so you got a nice little primer to it. But the basketball at summer league is obvious. I mean, obviously the players are not to the quality of NBA players, but the basketball itself is not there. Sometimes there's flashes for sure, but uh, especially when these games become blowouts, and uh, you know, just when the benches come in, it seems like it just turns to. Everybody trying to get theirs.
2: Yeah, pretty often. Uh, luckily, the Kings have actually been one of the more watchable teams. They really have. Teams. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because they're not actually bringing over young players. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. I think they have three different players on their roster actually born in the 90s. Um, there is, or not born in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of older guys on Sacramento's roster, and it helps that they have one of the better players in the tournament who are the the younger guys on the team it's dj stewart i know for sure dj stewart um i I do think that keegan murray is born in 2000 because he's 21 right now um and then i can't tell you the other one off the top of my head um but yeah, Frank. It's definitely not Frankie Ferrari. <laughs>
0: <Definitely>. So <laughs> that's another thing that we've been. Playing. We're going to get into the actual analysis of some form at some point. But what has been your guys' favorite Frankie Ferrari uh, knockoff name? Because like, like, I mean, a Tommy Toyota or like a, uh,
1: I don't know, f- Shelby, Shelby or Frankie Ferrari. Fer- <laughs> yes. I just I don't know. I'm I'm really tired of just sharing a name with him just to begin <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, honestly. because. I mean, even like Sean Cunningham of Fox Forty, our friend Sean came, comes up to me the first day of summer league and just goes, "I see the resemblance, you guys could be brothers." I'm like, "No, Ooh. there's not. You're just you're, <laughs> we have the same name." Yeah, and the guy's happens to have the coolest name in the whole basketball world. I mean, Frankie Ferrari. I mean, it just so happens that the guy couldn't really back it up the first couple of days; he was struggling so bad. But then, of course, what was it against Indiana? He, he finishes with 16 points and hits four of six threes. So. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's it's been kind of an up and down roller coaster with Frankie Ferrari, but we all know that his name is just super cool.
0: Yeah, it is for sure. Like it's, I'm trying to think of what it would best fit. Like it's 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 very movie esque, obviously. But is it like is he? like, just a, a Disney basketball player? Is he
1: Frankie Ferrari, obviously. Is he a race car driver? Probably something we can't say on the podcast, but his name does work oh, in some ways. Oh,
0: facts. Very much so. He he has a future here in Las Vegas, I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his, uh, is the bigger point. Uh, wow, I... I honestly don't even want to talk about basketball anymore because this is a lot more interesting. Of Frankie has a
2: future in Las Vegas. Multiple Frankies. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Keegan has a future in Sacramento. And there's a couple Boom. other guys that do have a future in Sacramento. Um, it's not crazy to say that like Keegan has been one of the best players in this tournament. And I keep saying tournament. I guess this isn't a
1: tournament, but yeah. during this summer league. Um, it should be a tournament. Why is it? Why, is it? Why? can we? Before we get the Keegan, I just want to say real quick just about the general landscape of, of Vegas. Like this summer league, is it better this way or worse? Because like the we're talking about Keegan, like how impactful he's being. We were talking about uh, all first teams last year, Davion winning MVP, uh, Lou King, King's legend winning MVP of the game, the championship game, and we're talking about what it takes to get nominated and named in those accolades, of course. It's Summer League awards, so take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but King's been so great. Would it make it more impactful if these games mattered even more so by the fact that you're playing towards that tournament seeding? Because now it's just if you're not a top-two team, it's over. Because a lot of people are confused about that. They don't know how this works. You get these rings now, but unless you're a top-two team, it's over. So does that kind of make these games a little less, I don't want to say fun, but impactful? Probably. Um, You said a lot of people are confused about this.
2: I am one of those people. (laughs) I still don't fully understand how this is going to wrap up. I think that you gave me an okay explanation the other day, You've also been fed false information. Yeah, I don't understand. I had different people tell me different things, like people that I thought I should be able to trust (laughs) that apparently have no clue what they're talking about. Um, Yeah, so I I don't know. I I think that I would much rather see a tournament. And single elimination basketball is always weird to me because— how about sudden the death The best basketball? team. How about sudden death basketball? We might we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Dude, yeah, casual sudden death basketball. Yeah. Never thought I would say those words in my life. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I wish that it was a tournament. I, I think that it would just be more straightforward because just losing one of these random games like the Kings losing that Orlando game on some crazy death. ending. Yeah. A sudden death. It's like, OK, they're going to get heavily penalized for that with the way the system works. So I don't know. I'd probably rather see it the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's usually how basketball is played,
0: too. It makes sense. You know, like when you when you do these, uh, you know, tournaments and AAU and stuff like that, it, it's you play and then you play for seating and then the tournament happens. And, you know, it kind of just naturally progresses that way. And so it's weird to me that it's just.
1: It's it's like
0: the weirdest version of a play-in. It's just like well, you, it's you only play strange for your
1: one seat. We be today's Tuesday. We would be starting this tournament probably today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Normally, because there's uh, I mean, two, two games something. and then you have the championship. Mm-hmm. So and things end this weekend. So uh, interesting timing. And of course, this is all happening while the the top four picks are getting a lot of attention. Like Brendan started us off with Keegan Murray. Of course, that's the the talk of of Vegas right now, as far mm-hmm. as will the Kings as far as Kings fans go. But now we're getting some national attention just today. Of course, the narrative starting to change after King Murray, who's Insane. who's probably in the running for MVP of of summer league at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, averaging twenty points per game, shooting forty percent from three. Uh, we can get into numbers on our pod or Brendan's pod later for sure. But uh, now the narrative starting to change. Mark Spears saying that he's heard from quote ex- league executives saying that King Murray Murray's actually been viewed as the top two pick. Convenient how that changes when that when when the player performs in summer league. So that brings me to this question. For you two gentlemen, Keegan Murray is is walking into twenty point games like we talked about. It's almost effortless. Even though he's, he he struggled against Indiana, he starts the game off. I think I think one of of eight from three uh, ends up finishing four of twelve, twenty three points. Kind of saves the game. Do summer league results matter to you guys? I just want to know because it's a hotly debated topic. Do summer league results? Do you just look at the numbers? Do you look at what the player doing, how they're playing within the flow of the game, the comfortability? I just want to know what you guys are looking for exactly because I think a lot of Kings fans, myself included, feel very confident in Keegan Murray just because of what he's doing on the floor outside of his numbers, the way he's playing within an offense, the way he's playing on defense, uh, his his poise. He's very stoic. We make, we make a lot of jokes about how he was hustling his butt off and chasing a loose ball. And doesn't show any emotion after he gets the call he wants. So I just wonder what you guys are looking for, and not just Keegan, but players as a whole. In yeah,
0: tennis. I think wins and losses to me is the one thing that just absolutely doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I think winning the summer league title is is a nice, fun thing to troll about, and it's you know it's fun to say it's better than not winning, I guess. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think win losses really matter. I think it's uh, when you're talking about player evaluations, it's more just how. You see, you know, Keegan Murray, you you made a point to it, how he moves without the ball. You can see how uh, he would fit into the Kings current system, how him running off screens and and, uh, how he shoots off the drip or I'm sorry, uh, off the catch uh, will translate. Uh, to the NBA. And I think that's really what it is. A lot of these guys aren't going to be in this same setting in the NBA. For example, Keon Ellis is a huge one where uh, he has a bigger role now than he's going to have probably ever in the NBA. How dare you? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but he's just never going to be the second or third option uh, on an NBA team. And so it's it's nice to see what he's able to do, but uh, you know I I'm sorry I I didn't when I said that I didn't mean it to as a as a bring down to to Keon Ellis just more, um you know you get to see how you know how wide their game their their game is I guess uh, that's probably not the right Keon game.
2: Ellis got a real wide game he got a wide game really bro. wide game <laughs> I, I'm with you I don't think wins and losses man matter but I don't think that you could ever tell the team that it is all they talk about is wins and losses that these guys want to win um part of Keon the reason that he thinks he fell the way that he did and going undrafted was he played poorly at the combine and that's a really tough environment because everybody's kind of playing for themselves so while I don't value wins and losses I do think there is a value in everybody playing for the purpose of winning the Perfect. game because it gets you the right sort of environment to see these guys skill sets um Unless Keon Ellis hits seven threes in a game, the numbers don't matter, you know. But if he does, I <laughs> will talk about it nonstop. Um, no, I, I think that it is all contextual, right? Like you said, like the off-the-bounce or um, made the same he mistake did as did you. The yeah, the off-the-catch stuff for for Keegan, you easily see how that's going to become a thing at the NBA. The on-ball pressure for Keon um, and his shooting as well off the catch. Maybe no bank threes at the next level going to be going on. But I, I do think that I'm less worried about wins and losses, but I like that that is the team focus because it gives you better context for guys like Keegan and Keon and how they're going to translate to the next level.
1: And it's such like a slippery slope, too, with this stuff as far as – I mean, or not slippery slope, I guess kind of a cash 22. You can't win or lose with this, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's – if Keegan is struggling, and if you did, if let's say Keegan right now is playing kind of like like Jabari Smith Junior is struggling yeah, right now for sure. he, he had his first good game last night, nineteen and nine. We we've seen a lot of these guys play, and and I was pretty disappointed uh, in that Houston OKC game the other day. But let's say Keegan was doing that. Keegan's averaging nine points per game and shooting thirty eight percent from the field. Huge. People would be all over his numbers, and people would be saying, "Wow, he can't even shoot forty five percent." But now he's literally he, he's. Arguably the best player in Summer League right now. I don't think anyone's – out. Chet Holmgren is doing things. Ken Thomas is going stupid again. Okay. The, the Keon Ellis stuff and Brendan. We're going we're to yeah. have to a- address yeah. it. We're about to record with him next. I'm sure it's going to be a Keon Ellis yeah. love hour. But I'm just saying no matter what someone does – Half hour. Half hour. Well, it might be an hour with him. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, I mean, yeah, no, we could go as long as you want about Keanu. Just like I don't
1: see the- <laughs> Give me that back. Give me the, give me L- the little background: we're, yeah. sharing, we're sharing, we're sharing, two, sharing microphones.
0: two mics, so it's it's a lot of it's going to be even distribute uh, distribution. Cheese, yeah. my English
1: spread out like a yeah. like a PB and J that we have. Ferrari offense. Like a Frankie Ferrari <laughs> exactly. offense. offense. We're just going to move the ball around. But what I, my point is: people would read into what these guys are doing, no matter what they do. So I think the fact that some people are trying to diminish what Keegan's doing. Uh, especially Kings fans. It's a little disappointing, but a majority of them are not doing that. But anyways, anything else on Keegan? Do you guys want to pivot?
0: Um, I mean, I think we we touched on it a little bit, but his demeanor to me has been like a very big thing that I've noticed, just how even keel he is on everything. I mean, he he hits that game winner. He makes us, or I guess it wasn't a game winner, but uh, hits the game tying shot against Orlando. Uh, That's probably the most amount of, uh, emotion we're going to see from him. I don't. I didn't see what happened exactly when he hit the th- uh, hit the three, but even you know when when the game. I think uh, Orlando called the timeout after he hit it. It was just a simple you know like jump to the side you know shoulder shoulder bang
1: with Keon Ellis. Very Kawhi Leonard-esque. We're right. very Kawhi Leonard-esque. Yeah. The I think I brought up the the meme or of him like when someone's trying to dap- Norm, Norm trying to dap, dap, <laughs> trying to dap up. him up, but he just puts his finger forward pointing. It was Move. very much like that yeah. reaction all weekend yeah. or all week we've seen in that
0: yeah. reaction. Even like, you know, he, he'll he – I think you also mentioned it earlier. He'll like lock somebody up, play great defense, get called on a ticky-tack foul, which is very summer league because also these refs are are uh, – they're not NBA refs. Don't disrespect it, Richard, Richard Jefferson. Jefferson sorry, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Um, but, you know, even, even on bad calls, things don't go his way, stoic. Doesn't have any emotion either way, uh, doesn't let – which is funny, too, because I think you mentioned this a couple days ago, um, that uh, Keegan said that in high school, he used to let his emotions get the best of him. Yeah, And then he kind of toned it down, and now he feels like he's a better player for it. I can't I even like it. I feel like he, like, murdered his emotions. He, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, completely just suppressed everything as far down as possible. And now it's almost like... I think uh right before the podcast, I think Jason was playing audio from uh, Mark Spears, and Mark Spears compared him to Tim Duncan, which is probably a step too far. Tim Duncan is like almost legendarily like monotone, even keel. But uh it's it's definitely shades of that for sure. I mean
1: when you put someone in the same sentence as Tim Duncan, it's kinda scary, I I guess, but I mean I get what he's saying. And I agree. I think that I've seen that before too. Like I think that the fact that we have a player who Plays so well and does not have any emotion. It's just kind of it's kind of crazy to see because like the, the players the Kings have right now, De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis sneakily has a lot of uh, hey. pa- fire, passion uh, on the it's court. He got ejected in tea, more teas than I think he's gotten in his like per like a game average for his career. So it's just kind of interesting to see a guy who plays so well and at a high level. Again, granted, in summer league, like I said, I'm not saying this guy's going to come out and be the next Tim Duncan, but uh, similar demeanor. And a lot of these guys kind of put themselves in that school of how to carry yourselves on and off the floor. You have, uh, people like, you know, not to be the Yankee guy, but Derek Jeter or Bill Belichick he says wearing a Yankee shirt, but Bill, Bill Belichick, the guys who don't give much to the media or don't say many things are kind of like almost recycled answers. I mean, our very own GM, Monty McNair, very close to the vest is not like, he's not a Daryl Morey or anything. Doesn't say things out and wear things on his chest, but, um, it's refreshing to see. Like, I'm a fan of it. I, I like to see that from, from a player who's young and, and coming in with just, you know, people talk a lot about his, his personality and how much of a, an asset that is outside of his game, and that's something the Kings need. They need to build that kind of culture of having players like that.
2: Yeah, and the last thing on Keon, or on Keegan for me. Get off of Keon I? Ellis! Hold on, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing on Keegan for me, I've been really surprised by his, by his off-the-bounce game. Um, I, I don't think that we've seen a lot of it. But the flashes here and there are moments where I'm like, uh, that's something different. Mm-hmm. That maybe there's more upside than what I had given him credit for. Um, because I don't know, people give me a lot of crap, I, I guess, about uh, not loving the Keegan pick at four, and I am more than happy to be wrong. And if there is an off the bounce game like that, then that's where I start to see. It. He's talked about Chris Middleton before, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was a lot. Actually. I didn't love it. I didn't love it at first, but there's moments where he's attacking a closeout or he had at the end of that Indiana game, um, no, it was, yes, it was the the Indiana Indiana game. He had 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, he hit one really tough triple and then he went for a second one right after that was a step back and he kind of pumped and maybe he should have shot it right away, but that one didn't go down, but it was space creation that he created completely by himself. Um, that I think that's surprised me and been there a little bit more than I thought it would be. Yeah, I completely agree. I was the same exact
0: way. I, I saw little to no off the dribble game for him and, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen him take any pull up jumpers or anything, which I don't think he really needs in his game. Maybe, maybe just on closeouts. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if he has that step back move, uh, to me, that unlocks a completely different part of his game and makes him a completely different, you know, that, that, that to me changes my evaluation of him completely. Because, yeah, if he's able, right now, I view him just almost strictly as a catch and shoot guy. You know, that, that sounds, you know, negative, but, um, I think he's just going to come in day one and really have a role that he can excel in. I mean, uh, this team needs shooting desperately. Uh, and I think he's a really good fit next to Harrison Barnes. We don't quite know if Harrison Barnes is for sure going to be there at the start of next year, but, um, if he is, I, I, you know, you can see how this team
1: is coming together already. I completely agree. Um, that being said, cause we are on a, we are going to move on, yeah. and all right, Brendan. All right, all right. We're, we're let's let's look at some guys that are making impacts that are not making an impact that are not Keegan Murray. Obviously, the top two that jump out are are Keon Ellis, obviously, obviously, obviously. and Namius Kada. So let me start with saying about Keon Ellis. He was on the show uh, with Jason Ross this morning. They had a nice sit down. He said a lot of cool things. Like he, it's a very cool uh, a story. He came from a family of athletes and and kind of just chose basketball and stuck with it. Uh, coming out of Florida. Um,
0: Basketball
1: didn't choose him. Basketball didn't necessarily choose him. He was born into this life. He was born into being a king. uh, Born into being a Brendan Nunes favorite. And I will say that the the impact he brings on the floor, and I know that Chris is saying he's not going to be a number one, two, three option. I agree. I don't think he's going to be a – if he's a top three option on your team, I don't feel great about that. But – do you have thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> don't feel great is an understatement. Yeah, is that what we're saying yeah, here, Chris? Th- <laughs> on- That's
0: exactly how I feel. If he's a, if he's a top three option. Yeah, I, on a big league a, club. Yeah, you know what? I'm just not. Yes, let's let's
1: maybe one day. But that being said, the Kings don't need him to be that. But the Kings need, this guy has been a, a Davion Mitchell-esque terror on defense. He is everywhere. He's deflecting deflecting passes, he's closing out, he's doing all the things that you want someone to do. He's hustling, he's hitting the floor. He was diving over the floor in the like the six-minute mark in the second quarter the other day at Thomas and Mack. like he was like it was game seven of the finals. So um, I've been very, very, very impressed with his effort. Brendan, do you want to take the floor and talk about what he could bring to the Kings? He's on a two-way deal. Do you think he's a guy that could be helpful to this Kings team in the near future? Because as we know, Mike Brown's a defensive coach. The guys they brought in, Leandro Barbosa, Doug Christie, um Luke Lux these guys that are probably going to help form a defensive culture do you think that that's the reason when the Kings saw him and said hey let's bring this kid in because he can kind of join Davion and form that kind of one-two punch off the bench if that's what's going to happen yeah he definitely gets me
2: because I'm a guy that loves watching defense and been so deprived ever since I started covering the Kings it's been a It's been a desert. Yeah, it's it's Hell. as tough as it gets when it comes to watching uh some defense. I think we were watching random clips the other day from the end of the bubble season and the highlights that are against the Kings. I'm like, is that even a highlight? This is the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. So, Keon is refreshing in, in that aspect and he's just a disruptive defender. There's guys that are good defenders like I think of Harrison Barnes. Um well, Harrison Barnes definitely has lost a step, step recently. Um, but like previously in his career when I think Harrison Barnes was a solid defender, he was just a guy that was doing his job, but not exactly making plays on the defensive end, just kind of fitting in and keeping guys in Mm -hmm. front of him, not disruptive in any sort of way. But Keelan's a guy that's out there getting steals. He had three steals in that game against Indiana. He had one in the game against, um, against Orlando. And there's more on top of it of just like countless deflections that you're getting from him. He's picking up full court, Mm -hmm. almost almost, Every time that he's out there in that sort of ball pressure, he does a good job getting through screens. So defensively, I think he's really refreshing. Offensively, he's pretty tough, though. Um, I I think that he's shown a lot of confidence hitting and taking and making threes, especially off the catch and Jordy, uh, because Keon went 2 of 12 at the California Classic from beyond the arc and then went... Five of six in that first Vegas game, and then three of second in the next. So, quick math, eight of 15. Um, Between that, after two of ten at the Vegas, at um, California Classic, and Jordy said we're telling him to shoot it every time he's open and every time he touches the ball that he's open, Um, but I think anytime he dribbles more than once or twice, it's like I'm kind of expecting a turnover, and I think there's a lot of growth that needs to be done there, so I I don't think, in my mind, he's somebody that you're seeing in Sacramento this season. Uh, There's a lot of guards on this roster, a lot of two guards with, um, if you want to put Davion Mitchell there, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, there's just a lot of guys, so in my mind, unless there's some injuries that take place or some massive roster shakeup because that it wouldn't surprise me if there's another big trade. Like I just think that we're probably gonna see Keon continue to work at uh the the Stockton level for a little while here.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh to your point, his defense has just been incredible. He's 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 like a a snow globe. Like you know how you just shake a snow globe? He just completely wrecks the entire offense. Like he <laughs> he's just a menace. Like the dude tears apart every offensive scheme possible. He's in the passing lanes, playing passing lanes, a menace on ball. Um, His defense is just absolutely stuck out completely. And I, yeah, his offense, if he can be a reliable catch and shoot guy, I think that's where he can maybe find his niche in the NBA. Um, But to me, I mean, his defense is, is almost at an elite level. I, I would like to see it. Um, you know, against some real NBA competition for sure, but he absolutely passes the G League test of of this guy can can definitely hold his own against this level of competition, and uh, that's you know, to to our first point, our first question um, of what kind of things you're looking for in Summer League, the ability to rise above the level of competition in, in any aspect, I think, is huge. Uh, Keegan Murray, like we've been talking about with his catch and shoot, but um, Key on his his ability to stay with this level of a uh, of uh, of player on defense and, and really thrive and, and show that he's a level above it, I think to me is is huge and shows that this is this is a an, a, an NBA level um, ability for him. So to me, yeah, his his offensive game is what's gonna what's gonna make or break his career
1: pretty much. Well, the king starters have been pretty much the the bright spot so far as far as watching these games, I and mean, the bench remains to be seen. The bench production, not much there, but obviously another guy in the starting lineup that is producing very well, and it's nice to see him play well. Is is Namias? Is it Namias or Namish? Brendan, I, I don't
2: don't ask me. Okay. I yeah, we're getting mixed. for anybody that doesn't know, Alvin Gentry, I think called me out on this <laughs> at the end of last season, but I'm not convinced that I'm wrong. I'm too stubborn That's here, really? kind of. We're we're not exactly sure. What happened
1: was Brendan said so like uh, he said Namiish, asking Namiish, asking him a question, and Alvin kind of like went like this and put his head down and was like looking at him, and he's and he didn't really answer the question at first, and then I thought <laughs> I, I was like Namiish Keda. He's like, no, I know who you're talking. I he's like. Like, <laughs> he, he he said I just wanted to hear you say it again. <laughs> he said, I just want to hear you say it again. So we'll go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. We'll call him Nimi. Nimi has been yeah. playing. He's been playing very well. I mean, obviously, last game against Indiana, he he goes out with, with the calf injury. Calf injury? Yes. Soreness. Excuse me. We're going to get some clarity on that in a little bit here at practice. But 12 points, seven boards, five blocks. That was in half of a game, pretty much. And that's on the heels of his game against Orlando, where he, he had, what, 23 points, uh, eight rebounds, a block, a steal. So he's been playing well, which is good to see from him, because we've heard the Kings are high on him. Obviously, they brought him back on a two-way deal. We don't know what's going on with Alex on his situation. We saw him at the casino the other night, walking in with his posse. I'm not sure what that's going to mean for him. Is he going to be on the team next year? So I just want to know for for you guys, just basically what have you thought about Nimi, his play this summer? Do you think he's someone that deserves to be converted to a full spot? If not this season, by the end of, by the start of the season, by the end of the season, does he deserve to be the third string center? Just, I want to know what you guys kind of evaluate as far as Nemi and his future because he's on two-way. He's playing as well as we've probably seen him. We've talked about things we want him to improve on, like rebounding. Uh, the shot blocking is there. Like I said, five blocks in, in 16 minutes is insane. What have you guys taken from Nemi so far this summer?
2: Yeah, oh, his birthday's tomorrow. Hey. Hey, birthday. he'll, he'll turn 23 tomorrow. We'll definitely be sure to post that. Yeah, we're recording this on... Tuesday, the 12th. Um, Yeah, so he's about to be 23. He's still, I don't know. It's night and day between the Cal Classic and Vegas because, to be honest, he was really bad in the Cal Classic. Not not really bad, but a second-year player should really stand out in a way that they are clearly better than the rest of the talent out there. And I I know for bigs it can take a little bit of time, especially someone like Nimi, who – is still getting used to his body. Like when Mm -hmm. we talked to him at the practice prior to Summer League, uh, even the Cal Classic, he said one of the biggest things he was working on was his body. And like if you go and look back at early Utah State, he was so thin. And you can see that he still plays like he doesn't have the weight and strength that he does. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think he's been a lot better in Vegas. The numbers that Frank ran through there um, have been phenomenal. And especially that Indiana game, it's a shame we only got like 16 and a half minutes out of him there because I thought that that was the best game that I'd seen him ever play. Um, five blocks in 16 minutes is just absurd.
0: How about that that double block?
2: The double block, which yeah. by the way, the first block was easier because Keon made the yeah. guy bobble it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. but okay, <laughs> sure, Nobody sure, mentioned sure. that yeah, or no, anything. Yeah, but you saw know, that um, no, I, I've been <laughs> You're impressed. <insane>. You're crazy. <laughs> I've been impressed. I, I still think um, I, I'm certainly. I've seen people say like, oh, I'll, like Alex Len needs to go somewhere else. That Nimi needs to be the three, the yeah. third string center. I don't know about that yet. Yeah. I, I want to see him dominate Stockton mm-hmm. this season. And I, I think that that, in my mind, is is kind of where I'm at with Nimi right now. In a pinch, can he get some run in the NBA? Maybe. Um, I, I still think that there's an adjustment period we're going through, though.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, for me, the thing that I want to see from him is just overall dominance. I mean, he, he's probably the biggest guy here in Vegas that's playing. Um Taco fall for sure. Actually, that would that would Namias gets a gets a second top he, top two three him, yeah. <laughs> him
1: him Chet and Taco probably. Well, in
0: terms of weight though, I mean, yeah. Namias, oh like, yeah, I just mean he should be big body too for, for just about everyone he goes against. You know, I think he was going against uh, Isaiah Jackson against uh, uh, Indiana the other day. Um, I'm pretty sure Orlando. Oh, they were running out Emmanuel Terry who we've seen Emmanuel Terry's maybe champ six seven. Um, Or so, not that Emmanuel Terry wasn't a a definite presence. We saw him last summer. Won the game Um, against us. (laughs) He played in – I mean, I think – did we sign him to a two-way or something? I thought we signed him to something. He was in
1: Stockton for a little bit last Mm -hmm. year. I think he ended up moving on. Yeah. But he didn't – I mean against us uh, Emmanuel Terry just for what it's worth I am actually curious what he finished with against us uh, he only had 6 points really but 9 re- 9 rebounds yeah. he out rebounded which is kind of a problem and with also his game. dented the floorboard on a Keon Ellis block he,
0: when he blocked Keon Ellis' yeah. game winning attempt I'm just I'm just saying there there's probably a I like I get
2: past the bike right yeah. when you're talking <laughs> trash about Keon yeah. what is this
0: it's uh it's a similar dent to the one that Zion made when he uh landed mm. the other day in the uh, So Keon has the same
2: sort of impact as Zion
0: no, what I'm saying is Keon throws up so many like soft like Zion. Throw- like Zion. Yeah, Zion yeah, soft, yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, when, yeah. when I when I think <laughs> of Zion Williamson, I for sure think soft. Um, no, I'm just trolling. But anyways, I am <laughs> just looking for uh Nemeas to really understand how big of a body is and understand that he is he I mean he should be honestly like Shaq out here. Like he there's nobody who can stop him um, if he is determined enough defensively, we've seen his ability to protect the rim. Nobody wants to go at him. Um, it's not, you know, like we've been watching every Chet Holmgren game, and people are trying to baptize Chet every chance they can get. Uh, Nimi is not that guy. As, as what uh, You don't know me, bro. Is that what yeah. he said? You don't, know, you don't, you don't know, me. know me, bro. You don't know me, bro. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's, to me, the biggest thing uh, for Nimi is, is just, I think Brendan made, made a point to it uh, at first of just he needs the – get more comfortable with his body and and how um, I think he's probably lost 20, 30 pounds since he got here in Sacramento. And um, I think he's getting used to being more nimble, being uh, lighter on his feet. But at the same time, I think he probably internally feels like he's not as strong as he used to be where he still is an absolute unit. So um, just getting more confident, I think, in his game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like the idea of him dominating Stockton, really to raise that uh that kind of stock in himself overall, within, within himself and the organization, because uh, that's a great piece to have. We have to wrap it up in a few minutes because we are going to do a two-part. of This is a two-part with Brendan's podcast, the Kings Pulse podcast. But before we go, just want to get like your guys' general thoughts on, this is our first time in Vegas for Summer League, and I, it's my first time. I've heard about it my whole life. I've obviously watched it on TV over the years and wonder what it would be like, and it's been, start off, awesome, tiring, surreal, because the first experience we had was sitting on the floor for that game against Orlando, and we're all pretty new to this media game and being in these situations, and the fact that we have people like Jerry West sitting in front of us and Steve Ballmer, it's just like, it's crazy. You bump into people. We have I mean, we have multiple stories about people we've come in, in contact with, but I just want to know what you guys have, have you had...
0: Welcome like, to summer league moment. Yeah.
1: Like have, what, was, what was your welcome to summer league moment? And like, I want to know just also, have you enjoyed it? Do you, do you encourage others to come do this? Cause I do think it is a cool experience to experience a cool thing to experience at least once. I think if you're like a basketball fan, cause it's kind of like Chris, you said this, it's like the NBA's Coachella. It's like the NBA's Coachella. So how have you guys handled your first Vegas experience? I, I, w- I guess I wasn't there for the NBA's Coachella line. That is an amazing
2: line. Um, it's either Coachella or South by... It's probably closer to South by Southwest, but Coachella is obviously more well-known. Yeah, well known. no, we'll we'll definitely have to nitpick and, and figure out yeah, the exact yeah, yeah, metaphor yeah. here. Coachella's, okay, Co- Coachella is a really good one. Um, yeah, I mean, just all the people that you're casually running into is ridiculous. Like, we're... I mean, Frank mentioned we sat pretty much courtside for the the Orlando game which maybe the biggest summer league game of all time yeah just casually overtime uh, or um oh, for sure. yeah casual sudden death basketball obviously um yeah and then afterwards we walk back and you know we walk right past Marvin Bagley Cade Cunningham um of Dadley. course Dadley of Supreme course of Supreme course, Supreme Dreams yes, yes oh my gosh everyone possible pretty much um and it's just quite the experience, man. I mean, you're just running into so many people. To hear Woj not on yeah. TV was an experience. Yeah. It's like, okay, this guy doesn't talk like that all the time, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, we just run into everyone. Masai Ujiri. Shams we ran yep. into. Um, um, yeah, so many different executives. Of obviously, everything. a handful of people from Sacramento. Robert Woodard. I was shocked to see Robert Woodard <laughs> yeah. on the floor, let me tell you. Yeah.
0: Um, everyone was all hyped about Wiseman and and Brendan is like it was like holy crap oh my god you guys (laughs) Robert Woodard
2: (laughs) (laughs) um no I've had a great time I mean getting to watch basketball all day long in person is is a phenomenal thing all the guys that are at the top of rosters all the most recent lottery picks are obviously amazing to watch and and being able to witness those guys' first experiences as part of their NBA franchises is, is great and and just the people that you're casually rubbing shoulders with is is pretty pretty crazy one of those things i don't realize how crazy it is until i talk about it later
0: yeah definitely like i mean yeah frank you it, mentioned we're gonna have so many
1: stories to, to like, digest we, we,
0: you know we probably won't even we we will probably forget more stories than we'll remember here
1: we have a couple um, that you need to listen to the king's polls because I, I don't want to spoil some of them. On yeah, you on know what? Let's end Brendan's podcast with story time. Just like yeah, we, two
0: two we have, stories
1: each. We have some fun stories I want to talk about. Sure. Uh, Brendan has a has a like a, a life changing. Incredible. Brendan had like the best fifteen. No, no he this had, story... like, the best
0: fifteen minutes. I think I've seen. I'm excited to share it's, the story with with my right. family and friends. I <laughs> can Bre- be added uh, to
1: Chris Verlont's
0: mix. Brendan, <laughs> Brendan ex- had the best fifteen minutes.
1: I'm maybe excited. Ever. For- I'm excited to share your story with my family and friends get home because that is like – that is like literally one of like the best things that could probably ever happen to you and it happened to you within what, 20 it was, minutes? It was literally
0: like 15 minutes.
1: But yeah. we have to go to the next podcast to hear yeah.
2: it. I, I guess we'll save it for the next – and I'm going to let you tell it because I don't want to tell yeah, my little my own story. story going it's it's weird. You know? I don't know. I, I, it was I take, cool. I, it take, was I take pride cool, in my but...
1: storytelling. You know, I took a yeah, storytelling yeah, course.
0: Frankie is incredibly great at storytelling. Thank that you, was, Chris. I've always—I told you that, like that was like one of the first things I told you, like a couple months of knowing you. Guys, like, stop. Frankie, Frank, you're like an incredible storyteller. Well, you—you like, you, really you, paint the picture.
1: You have all the euphemisms and all those great things, like the, like the Coachella of the NBA's Coachella, because I definitely am going to use that with people. But uh, anything else, boys? Should we, should we jump on King's Pulse? I don't have a—I uh, don't have anything else, guys. Nice. Great, yeah, we're just going to have dead air for the next uh, 20
0: minutes for Brendan's podcast, and then we're going to tell stories. So we're done. Cool.
1: Goodbye.